Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, how are you today, man? We're we're both in the same town at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, the and it's just us today, by the way. The closest thing we have to a, a special guest is uh, the power washers uh, that are doing the house right now. And so you may hear my windows getting blasted and all of that here in the office. Uh, they just finished, so hopefully it won't be too bad. But if anybody hears lot of noise in the background that's that's what it is and so we'll call them the special guests this week yeah we've had uh we've had lightning we've had fire trucks we've had dogs we've never had power washers so that's a it's a new wrinkle for the show that's good that's good <laughs> hey since it's since it's just you and me i was i was thinking man like do you do you listen to many podcasts very very often like you're in the car or you're you know on the plane or something like that yeah yeah unfortunately i i have an, uh, a slight addiction to them and i probably have i don't know 10 15 um, subscriptions to to various ones, both tech and non tech. Yeah, and so so I'm li- I'm constantly listening to them without a doubt. Yeah, so here's my thing. So I listen to a bunch too, and I, I find that like there's there's a whole bunch of uh, sponsors that seem to be on every single show. You know, it's like Blue Apron, Tommy John underwear, uh, Movement watches. Like, do you think we should just start doing reads for those guys, and then maybe they'll pick and up and they'll pick us up? Yeah, they'll just pick us. Yeah, we'll just have our own offer code. It'll be like Blue Apron slash Cloudcast for ten percent off right. or something like that. And then it comes in and they're like what the hell is this exactly so i think we should just start mixing the mixing those in if anybody has a favorite one we'll uh, we'll do a read for the one of those guys there you go um so we thought so we, you and i have both been traveling a bunch we've been going to events and shows and different things and we thought maybe we'd kind of recap some some of the stuff so like i was at uh, well uh, kubecon slash cloud native con i was at DockerCon this week you were out in Seattle um, doing this cool thing with the Windows or with the uh, Microsoft Azure people, and then we're going to be at Serverless Conf next week in Austin. So we thought maybe we would like review some stuff and then preview some stuff and, and give some folks some insight into what we've been working on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why don't we kind of just do it um, kind of chronological? <clears throat> uh, it would probably be the easiest way to do this. Um, why, why don't you get get started with um, your feedback from Cloud NativeCon and KubeCon? It, it looked you know, from I'll give my impression from kind of Twitter following it. It, it looked like a really good event. Yeah. Um, really was impressed with kind of the the message and the momentum coming out of there. Um, but but I you know again it's it that's really doesn't compare to to actually being at the event. So why don't you kind of give us the rundown and I'll I'll hit you up with questions. Yeah. So um so show was good. It was in Berlin. Um so the the previous one was in Seattle. About four months later, they did the one in Berlin. Um, I want to say, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but like Seattle was like a thousand people. I think Berlin was about 1500 people, which is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty I good. I was at Seattle. Seattle was a great event. I yeah. was thoroughly impressed with it and, and compared to, I mean, huge growth over the previous time. And then to have 1200 to 1500 at, at an EU event, I mean, that's, right. that's a good attendance. Right. So, um, so good event. Um, lots of, um, kind of a, a good mix of sort of like customers and, and vendors. Um, so Europe, the, the European uh, region, I guess, you know, there's lots, obviously there's lots of different factions in there, but um, seem to be big adopters of Kubernetes at this point. They, they seem to have picked up on it early, um, you know, lots of, uh, you know, government agencies, um, you know, different types of companies, you know, car companies, government agencies, uh, banks, financial services. So lots of different customers in Europe were there, 
presenting, um, you know, were around and about. So it was it was it was nice that it wasn't just sort of uh, a bunch of vendors talking to other vendors about their cool technologies. Um, so the you know a decent number of use cases because Kubernetes is getting to a point now where the technology that's in there um, supports a lot of broad use cases. So it's not sort of just microservices slash cloud native apps. Uh, you're seeing people put existing applications into Kubernetes and, you know, trying to figure out what the new stuff does. So that was, that was all really good. Um, I think in terms of trends from the show, um, you know, it was a couple things. I think they're, they're seeing a lot of contributions, which is really good. Um, I think they're up over like almost 1200 contributors at this point to the Kubernetes projects. And, and there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and then there was, there was kind of a new, push that people were like, Hey, we've got to figure out how to get, how to create a better user experience, kind of developer experience for, for people that want to sort of leverage native Kubernetes features and stuff. So instead of just plopping something in a container and putting it into Kubernetes and then, you know, just hoping it scales and and does some stuff is, um, there were some good talks about how does, uh, you know, how, how do you make the user experience slash developer experience better? So I'm going to ask you this then, then the, the, the thing that immediately jumps out at me from all of this, though, is the Kubernetes projects yeah. and the amount of Kubernetes projects. And, yeah, and I know I'm going to I'm going to ask this both positively and negatively. Yeah. Is this the next OpenStack? Yeah. So it's a, it's a <laughs> I know I know I knew you're going there. Um, so so I think it's a it's, it's a fair question. Right. Um, so. On, on one hand, so the, the reason the reason that that comes into play is um, there are a bunch of you know special interest groups in for Kubernetes. Um, so there's everything from like apps to networking to storage to security to to a bunch of these groups. And whereas in uh, Open OpenStack, you had um, you know they were like basically separate projects, right? So so I think the one thing is the Kubernetes kind of core architecture team, which is, you know, this mix of Google, like hardcore Google, sort of former Borg engineers, some Red Hat people, a bunch of people from different places, Deus and other places, like they very much, there is sort of this like group of people that are sort of making sure that there is a a layer of consistency of this, right? So remember with OpenStack, we would have like, uh, you know, different projects who didn't talk to other projects, APIs, or they would create their own APIs, um, you know, they would create projects that didn't seem like they were in the vein of doing an IaaS project, you know, like they would do a big data project one day or they'd want to build their own paths. And so I, I think there's a lot more cohesiveness in terms of thinking about uh, Kubernetes as one architecture, right? So I think that that part is good. Um, the other thing is there there's less, at least there seems to be less sort of um, confusion about what they're what they're trying to do. There isn't this whole like, well, one half of the house thinks we're going to replace VMware and the other half thinks we're going to replace AWS. And, you know, we're going to kind of go in different directions depending on which vendor leads an individual given project and so forth. Um, you know, the Kubernetes guys seem to be, hey, we're, we're trying to build a container platform that'll run in a bunch of different clouds. Um, and, you know, we're kind of over time adding some, some, um, some features that are going to allow, you know, kind of a broader set of, of application patterns. So that's, that's the simplest way to say, like, I understand the, the parallels, but I don't know that it's, it's as sort of dysfunctional at times that, that OpenStack got. Yeah. And, and it makes perfect sense because, 
uh, and you and I have discussed this both on the podcast and off the podcast, the 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 biggest issue we had with with OpenStack is, you know, those that really followed it behind the scenes is there was so much infighting of the vision of what OpenStack should be. Yeah. And that led to then further vendor interests inside the, the projects and just everyone bumping heads and internal battles that just was so stalled the momentum in the end. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying OpenStack is finished, but I am saying that I think everyone recognizes this far in. They could have gotten a lot further with a much more focused vision and a much more focused um, path forward. Yep. And and so when it, whenever I hear all of those projects, that's the first thing I think of, of history repeating itself. But but it seems like the the shared vision, um, kind of the umbrella over all the projects, is certainly helping in this instance. And so it, maybe it is a learning from mistakes kind of thing, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. The the other thing I think, um, and and again, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little biased about Kubernetes because it's it's part of my day job. But um, the other thing that I think is is useful is. You have some some of the really big cloud providers, i.e., Google, Microsoft, uh, DigitalOcean, some others, who who run Kubernetes as a as a production service all the time. So you there's a certain amount of like you know native operational expertise that goes into these things that I don't know that OpenStack ever really had. I mean, I mean, Rackspace was kind of the only one that was really running it in production for a long time, and uh, you know so you know, one of the big problems with, with OpenStack was always like, uh, you know, how do I upgrade this thing? And did they think through this stuff? And, um, so I think that, that thing is another kind of difference of, you know, just kind of how the projects evolve. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's definitely a matter of like, okay, the, the operations of everything moved up stack because OpenStack for a lot of times was trying to be like an AWS replacement yeah. when, when this wasn't, this is something that's going to run on top of like AWS or some of the other big public clouds. So no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. The other thing that was kind of interesting and, and we talked to a few of them, um, uh, on the show before, but there was, um, there was the beginnings of sort of a serverless, um, uh, I don't know what's the best word, but sort of like application pattern type that was that was presented there. So uh, the folks from um, Platform Nine uh, were talking about Fission. Um, the folks from um, uh, yeah, uh, Sebastian, who's now over yep. at, at Bitnami, is talking about uh, Kubeless. And so there was there was some interest, and in, in, it'll be interesting to sort of watch and see. And we'll talk about this as, as we get into the serverless stuff. Like um, you know, there are a few different approaches to how to do serverless on top of or you know functions as a service on top of kubernetes um it'll be interesting to see if the kubernetes community kind of comes together on this to come up with word sort of one approach or if some of these different approaches are, are trying to to differentiate themselves and and go their own way and do they you know does a community follow one versus the other right now they're all pretty small in terms of you know number of developers that contribute you know 15 25 you know something like that so That'll be something I think the 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 CNCF or the Kubernetes community sort of has to work out um, because it does potentially offer the the ability to have a, a kind of cloud agnostic uh, way of doing functions as a service. Whether that's a good thing or not, we'll we'll, we'll tend to see. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. You want to move on? Yeah. So, um, so the 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 folks at Microsoft were were very nice to invite us. I couldn't go, um, but they were. Nice enough to invite us. Uh, you went out to Seattle uh, last week, uh, Redmond, I guess it would be. Um, I got to hang out with the the functions team, the the Azure functions team. So how was that? 
Yeah. So, so first of all, full disclaimer, um, you know, I want to be very, uh, very, uh, upfront about everything. Yeah. Microsoft paid for my travel, my hotel, everything. Um, but they, they hosted, uh, a number of industry kind of influencers and, and, and press and analysts. And there's, I don't know, there, if I remember correctly, there was about 10 of us there. And it was really the, the whole idea was they had some uh, th- for the Azure Functions team, they had some up, upcoming things coming out um, and they wanted to really just help everyone kind of understand uh, Azure Functions in general and, and serverless in general. And, and it was really interesting because, uh, you know, a couple uh, things of that. First of all, there's a lot of bloggers and a lot of in- industry press people. Um, it, I kind of looked around the room and I was I was. Uh, joking with uh uh donnie um that i was like huh i'm the only one who doesn't do this full time like (laughs) 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 but but it was it was really interesting in that so what what they really did was that you kind of had they had mark mark rosanovich um he's now the cto of azure functions so they kind of moved him over and he's talking about all of this and he kind of gave a big talk at the beginning of the day and then they actually ran us through a bunch of exercises which is actually really cool to get hands-on stuff but but let me kind of run through the day a little bit more in, in depth and so they started off with Dave, you know, your, your typical, what we learned very quickly or, or what I'm starting to learn very quickly is every time you have a server, serverless talk, you have to, it's just like the early days of cloud. You have to define, okay, what does cloud mean? Now you have to go, well, what does serverless really mean? I know it's a bad term. Um, <laughs> and so, so they had to go, okay, here's our definition of serverless, right? And, and for them, it, the, the most interesting thing I found is because you, we've been to a few of these now and you know, if you compare Azure Functions versus uh, OpenWhisk versus Lambda versus um, some of the others in the industry, um, oops, shit, hold on. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, the the oh man, sorry, dude. We'll have to edit this out, I guess. Mute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling the batteries out right now. It's a cordless. I'm pulling the batteries out. All right, we'll have to cut that out. Yeah, we'll just leave it in. We'll just leave it in. <laughs> Anyway, so if you compare Lambda versus OpenWhisk um, versus Azure Functions versus uh, Google Cloud Functions, the most interesting thing to me is the language they use. Um, Microsoft was was very upfront and very forthcoming of this is event driven. This is trigger based. They 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 didn't necessarily call it serverless more than they had to to kind of put it in a bucket, you know, like analysts and press love to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so they kind of said, hey, this is serverless, like just like the others. But here's all the ways in which it's different. And they had a very the, all of their terminology was very developer friendly, very specifically enterprise developer friendly, and. Their message more so than any of the others I've seen so far was it felt very real world. And here's the additional problem it solves. It's not necessarily replacing anything else. It's very additive. It's another tool in the developer toolbox. And here's the use cases in which it would fit. And those use cases were very real world. The customer references they they used were very well presented. And I kind of stepped back a second and went, huh, why did they like they really did seem to nail the the message. And I'm like, well, okay, this is Microsoft, right? (laughs) If you if you compare them against Amazon or or Google, neither of them are nearly as well known as hitting that enterprise message. So what? so, So give me an example. What what sort of resonated with you? 
Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, they really talked about, um, like one of the big ones, the customer reference use case was, um, the, it, it's so funny cause I can't remember if Amazon used them specifically or not when Lambda came out and I, I can't remember if it was an intentional dig or not, but it was the, uh, the weather, weather.com. Okay. Um, and it was very much of, Hey, you know, a functions based, uh, idea of, okay, somebody wants to go get the weather, right? That's a, that's an event based thing. Somebody goes and gets the weather that goes out, it checks the weather, it pulls it down, it delivers it to you and it sits there idle as opposed to a whole bunch of VMs in an infrastructure, just sitting there waiting, polling constantly in loops, kind of waiting for things. And so there's this drastic reduction in infrastructure that it takes to actually deliver weather reports. And I'm okay. like, oh, yeah, cool. That's easy. I get that, right? And so, and then they had some other use cases that that were all along the same lines of like, how do you deliver this trigger-based or event-driven infrastructure? And and then they went into the developer tools. And all of the developer tools, of course, is, hey, this is Visual Studio. This is stuff you already know and love if you're a, you're a Microsoft developer, right? And so it was very friendly and embracing the developers where they would be. Um, and they had some pretty unique, uh, differentiators. They had this idea of the ability to debug and trace and monitor functions, uh, using their app insights product, which is something else I had others have it, but not nearly as much. Um, and that's why there's, you know, there is a certain number of startups that are doing that space. Um, and then they had this concept of bindings and bindings was no more than, Hey, how do you pull in external things? How do you go talk to other functions, right? And so how do you pull in other ecosystems? And of course they had all the Microsoft ones. I mean, that's a given. Right. But uh, I was super surprised of I mean, there was <clears throat> probably a hundred plus of and it was Jira, it was GitHub, it was Trello, it was Asana, it was uh, I was really surprised at how very startup-y, if you will, or our startup uh startup company embracing it was. It very much was like, oh wow, that's a pretty cool little ecosystem. And then there's the last bit was this kind of logic apps and I'll kind of go through the exercises because I kind of have to lay them all out, all the pieces to pull them all together. This logic apps is, is think of it as like a visual pipeline for trigger functions. You, you write an Azure function, then you write another one and you write another one and you say, okay, I'm going to get this result from this and pipe it into this and I'm going to pipe it into this and you just create a, an application, if you will, based off of a, a pipeline of triggers. Okay. So um, it's kind of like the, the Azure, I think they call it, or uh, the, the, the AWS step functions. Like it's, like, right. it's like a visual right. tool to yeah link them together. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and it was, it's exactly like that. And, and so it was really nice. And so then they kind of ran us through some exercises in the, in the afternoon of, okay, we're, we're going to go create a step function. Um, and, and we did, and, you know, of course you have a bunch of, uh, uh, non coders is the easiest, you know, most pleasant way to put that. And <laughs> we, we went through Blo- and, and bloggers, uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and we did, we, we did all that and, and we, we got through it really well. And we, we did this example of, okay, you know, it's going to go pull through the Twitter API. It's going to go pull in, um, based off of a, a you know, a Twitter search function, it's going to pull in from the stream and then it's, uh, we actually pumped it into their machine learning, um, and it was the, the Cortana, um, which I hadn't even d- dealt with before, but you, you pumped it all into there and then it kind of did a certain an- amount of analysis of where in the world that's coming from, what's going on and kind of did a certain amount of al- analytics. And then through the, uh, through the, uh, logic apps, 
we built this pipeline where it would pump it into a, a nice little dashboard for us. And so every 15 seconds it would go poll everything and then kind of throw it up there. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was a very practical, although, you know, you know, it was a very catchy way to, to kind of show this trigger stuff popping yeah. off. Um, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I definitely came away from the day. Like I went into it. This is probably the biggest thing is let me be clear. I went into the, this day knowing nothing about Azure functions. Yeah. Um, other than a couple blog posts and everything. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I've been to, I've been to the Google cloud stuff. I, I understand Lambda pretty well. And, and I, I really had no idea what was going on. And I came out of this with a pretty clear picture of, okay, Here's here's what they want to do. Here's how they see their differentiators. Here's how they see what's going on. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I felt pretty good about the overall experience. And, you know, we've been to these before and with with various levels of success at times. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. And, you know, it was one of those I was talking to one of the guys at, at um, happy hour after it. And it's like, well, do you think this has legs? And it's like, well, it's, I mean, it's freaking Microsoft. You know, if anybody. Yeah. If anybody can go figure out an enterprise message and go figure out how to make some money off this, it's them. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was it? Was it? Um, in terms of like, I mean, you, you don't you don't get into a lot of the, the deep developer stuff, but I mean, like, was it you know .NET specific or was it kind of like Java and .NET or or I mean, are they targeting it like real time applications or certain languages? Yeah, or was that right, was right. that was that dug into? Yeah, so it, it's it, right now it's all it's, it's of course C sharp. Um, and Java. Um, and then we actually played around. There was an experimental uh, Python library. That one isn't necessarily GA. But there's actually, yeah, there's a, just like the other platforms, there are certain ones that are GA and supported, and there are certain ones that are beta, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Um, and uh, for them, uh, all of the big platforms uh, were GA, and then they had a whole bunch of other platforms that were beta. Okay, okay. Cool. So, and, and did you get the sense, I mean, um, so Mark, uh, you know, he used to be, you know, one of the big cloud guys and he was talking about new stuff. I mean, he's been at, at DockerCon presenting the, the Docker integration with windows. And, um, I mean, do you get the sense that like, this is the, the, the whole functions thing is going to be a big deal for Microsoft or is this going to be, you know, just another set of features that they have to make sure that, you know, they can check all the boxes that all the, the public clouds are supposed to have. I mean, did, did you get any sense of like how they were hedging it versus all the other stuff that Azure does? Yeah. So uh, I got the impression from them. So definitely through a combination of uh, Mark presented, Mark presented for probably a good hour. And then they had the the PMs for Azure functions and logic apps come up as well. Um, it, it was really interesting and it, it felt like a pretty serious investment. Um, they very much understood the nature of the potential disruption of this. Uh, And what I mean by that is from a developer standpoint, they very much understood the idea of if I'm a developer, I don't want to deal with the infrastructure. I want to spend as much time as I can writing different differentiated code and not code that is just you know common platform guts yeah and and they very much saw that and and were looking at that from a standpoint of huh if i'm a developer this is where i want to go and they seem very serious in building a platform that will go embrace that and i i got the just like i said earlier i feel like it's 
for them at least it's additive and not competitive in the portfolio yeah no i think it's i I think it's interesting you know like we've been we've been kind of paying attention to the serverless stuff for a little while i don't think we jumped on it immediately but but if you if you sort of look at the big picture of things it's like okay um certain certain initial limitations are getting knocked down right so um there are more languages that are supported um you know for azure functions but all the other ones um we're starting to see more sort of native tools to make it easier right so it's not just you know write some functions and figure out how to glue them together there's you know it kind of starts to fit into a a developer pipeline it fits into developer tools um it's i don't know if i've totally seen how people are doing it with like ci yet and so forth but um, it is interesting to see how fast this is sort of happening. Um, it, it, it's interesting that you were saying they're showing how to do debugging and tracing and that stuff because that's been, um, I know at least at some of the previous serverless conf shows, um, uh, you know, people have said like, hey, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, you thought PaaS was a black box. This is a completely a black box. You have no idea how to tune it and what to do. And um, so it, it's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, they're very quickly, you know, learning the things of the past, knocking down holes. And so that's very cool. It'll be interesting to see what they have to say here uh, in a couple of weeks and so forth and, and then compare them to some of the others now that you have a, a new baseline of what to look for. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. Let's move on. Okay. What's next? Uh, DockerCon. So DockerCon was this week. Um, and I, because of all my travel, I actually declined going to DockerCon because I was at Microsoft last week and I'm going to be at serverless conf next week and yep. doing a bunch of travel in May. So I was like, you know what, you're, you're going, I'm going to take this one off this year. Yep. Um, <laughs> so tell me about DockerCon and we'll get into, uh, what the hell happened this week? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of becoming a tradition now. So so every DockerCon, uh, Solomon gets up there and he makes some announcement that freaks out the community, right? So uh, three years ago, two two years ago, two years ago, um, they you know they did the um, you know there was the the uh, Docker versus Rocket sort of um, debate that was going on, and and so they you know they created the OCI, and it was okay. We're gonna we're gonna play nice with with this other container format, and uh, we're gonna you know create this independent foundation that's gonna go make that work. Um, and then you know last year it was hey um, we're going to embed Swarm into uh, the Docker engine, and we didn't tell anybody about this, but we just went ahead and did it. And so you know the container scheduling world kind of got uh, you know it had to go through a huh, what does this mean? What's going on? And then this year. Um, so, you know, and we've had, we've had a couple of podcasts on this one was weird. I did this sort of long, you know, monologue about, you know, what does it mean to, to deal with, with Docker community versus Docker, the company. And then me and Kelsey Hightower talked about it and, and Kelsey kind of led a lot of this where the, the big thing in the Docker community was, um, people struggled with where does capital D Docker incorporated stop? And where does little d Docker, the open community project, start, right? Or where does one stop and where does one end? Because what was going on was, um, you know, Docker cranks stuff out really fast and they make lots of features and they're doing stuff really fast. And you had certain people in the community who were saying, well, this is boring, low-level container stuff. Like, it needs to start getting stable and and Solomon was like, well, no, I don't want it. To, it doesn't need to be stable. I need to go fast. I need to differentiate my business. And it became this whole like, well, dude, where does your business stop and the community start? Right. So it's right. a it's a fair argument. Right. It's not Docker specific. It's happened all the way back to you know Linux and all sorts of projects. Right. So 
what they did was was and there have been some ramblings and rumblings, ramblings and rumblings about this before. Was you know Docker is going to you know make a clear separation, and so what they did, um, and I'm, I'm going to try and make this keep this as clean as possible, just in terms of explaining it. Um, they announced this thing called Moby, and Moby, it was the the, the thought before the show because a lot of us sort of had heard about it was that Moby was just going to be the community version, the renamed, rebranded community version of what used to be, you know, slash Docker in GitHub. And and that's kind of it. So they, they did make this separation between everything that is now called Docker is only Docker Inc., right? So they, they want to own the brand. They, right. they want Docker to be the commercial way of explaining, which makes total sense, right? It's it's your brand. You want to own it for, for go-to-market. It's their way of solving the big D Docker versus little D Docker problem. Right. Um, right. Now, it's tricky because you have you know three-plus years of people who have third-party products and documentations and trainings and stuff that reference this Docker thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and nobody's consistent about is it big D or little D because they didn't didn't always know the difference. But what's interesting is the Moby project um, isn't exactly what Docker was or is. Like they did this thing and it's going to take a while for people to kind of unravel it. And so I'm not going to make a lot of commentary on it. But they they basically said, well, well, we've been going, doc, you know, Docker has been going through this process of kind of disaggregating Docker into lots of different pieces, you know, so you have things like container D and run C and these low level kind of runtime things and image formats and so forth. And so Moby is not just the renaming of Docker. It's, it's kind of this big disaggregation of what people used to know the Docker project to be. Mm-hmm. So the net net of that is it's, it's going to take a while for people to figure out, okay, what's in there, what's not in there. Because, and I, I put a link in the show notes, there's this super long pull request that, that Solomon explains this stuff. And then there's, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of comments from people. But they, they make some comments like, well, we're not going to include the CLI in Moby. We're not going to include the SDK in Moby. Um, there are some other things that we're not going to do in Moby that are now going to be in this other project. Some of them are going to stay in Docker. Some of them will be in the community. And so I, I think there's... There's going to be a period of people trying to figure out like, okay, what's still named Docker? What's now in Moby? Um, I mean, like you literally, they didn't put the CLI in there. So, you know, people thought there would be things like, well, Docker run will now become Moby run. And it's like, well, we haven't really gotten around to that yet. Right. And, and when you do stuff like that, as, as unfortunately Docker has done in the past where they kind of announce it, but the code's not ready then you know you you create all sorts of people going look whoa what are you doing right um, right so, right so so that was that was a big deal um, from an open source perspective they did that and then they announced this other thing called and, and let's be well let me just add yeah. this too let's be really honest for a second too the amount of people in the open source ecosystem versus paying for the big D is a lot more and so what they effectively did there is they they disrupted their own community pretty hard now yeah. it is it is at least in my, my opinion at the outside looking in there was a little bit of what the hell just happened going on for a while there but uh, i think what they're doing is it is a certain amount of um ripping off the band-aid short-term pain for long-term gain that they probably needed to do yeah yeah i mean this should have happened you know multiple years ago when the thing started to to gain some momentum um 
I mean, look, Docker Incorporated, you know, has a mission to go make money. They've got venture capitalist money and, and, you know, investors and all this stuff. And cool. Like they're like every company they're they're trying to make money. Um, I, I think what the community is struggling with is every time Docker says they're going to do this thing, number one, they don't communicate it very far in advance, which is unfortunate. And number two, they now sort of have this track record of, well, we're going to, we're going to put something into the put something back into the community or change the way it was before. And it's not really the way it was before. So like, you know, the OCI stuff wasn't the complete code for, you know, like, and, you know, and and they made it out like, oh, it's going to be the complete code. We're donating everything. And then, you know, this is when Kelsey raised his big stink about like, whoa, dude, you didn't give us all the code. You just gave us the image format. Right. And then, you know, container D when I was at KubeCon, um, you know, the folks, presenting about container D, which was donated to CNCF. It was kind of the, the runtime. They were like, well, it's only on version 0.2. It's not complete. We've scoped it. We've made the scope really small. It doesn't include networking. It doesn't include how you attach to a, how you attach to a registry. Um, you know, we're going to kind of hurry up and get it to 1.0 and then it's on the community to figure out where to go with it. And it's like, okay. Uh, I think people thought like you, right. were, you were making a donation of the whole thing and it, and it wasn't. And now you have Moby which is, you know, not the previous Docker. It's this new, hey, it's a kit to build stuff for builders and and other things. And, you know, so I I think that's the frustration people have is it's like, you know, it's communication and then it's, well, what's there and and what was the, versus what was the expectation of what was coming, right? And and people can, you know, comment and have opinions on that all they want. But, um, you know, I I think it's going to take a while for people to dig into this code, see what it is, um, and even even the folks from Docker, you know, Solomon and, and others have had said, well, there's probably a lot of other stuff that we need to release as well, but we haven't worked out the nuances and the politics and the details and the how it'll be maintained. And um, but the net net is going forward. You're when you say Docker, you're now supposed to only mean the commercial thing. And when you say when you say the open source thing, it's supposed to be called made by Moby or comes from Moby or something along that. It's this weird right. trademarky thing. So, so, so I'm going to, we've been going on this for a long time now. I want to kind of move on, but I mm-hmm. want to throw in this, this real quick, this, I'm just having nightmares of this. This reminds me of when I joined Citrix with CloudStack. Yep. Because CloudStack was, you know, cloud.com, which was a closed source, uh, product that was bought by Citrix and sold that way. And then they decided to open source it. And then they donated everything to the Apache um, Foundation. And Cloud Stack became Apache Software Foundation asset and had to go through legal IP and all these other things. And then Citrix then would take Cloud Stack from Apache Software Foundation and turn it into Citrix Cloud Platform. Right. Well, no one ever understood that. Right, right. Because the association was already made, CloudStack was Citrix. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why it never took off as Apache software. Um, and that, that feels to me like this all over again of you have multiple years of a name brand. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, like, I, 
I, I'm going to, I'm going to refrain from saying anything just because you know, <laughs> it, in, in my, in my, in my day job, we, in my day job, we deal with lots of open source projects and we, 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 we think there's a good way of doing it. And so I'm going to refrain from, from everyone's got an opinion. And of course, you know, we have yeah. ours, but I'll say mine and you can withhold yours. How's yes. That? There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. Um, so cool. So, um, so the other, so the other, so there was a couple of other projects and announcements. We will, we'll let that go. If you want to go look at it, there's one called Linux kit. Um, they obviously they donated the, the container D stuff, but the other half of the show was basically, Hey, um, look how enterprisey we are. Right. So, um, big partnership announcement, obviously with Microsoft, you know, doing, uh, windows containers or, you know, it was like the last time it was Linux containers and now it's, um, Linux applications that run in windows containers um, yes. which is, or right. no, let's see, Linux applications in Linux containers running on windows server. Right. Yep. So it's, um, so again, and this, this goes back to the sort of Linux kit, which is like a shim of what a Linux subsystem looks like that you can run in different places. And the net net of it is, um, you know, you can do more stuff with windows, uh, or with Microsoft, which is good for them. And then the other one, which, um, for anybody that's got virtualization background, this is going to give you uh, hives and a rash. Um, hey, Oracle is now supported in containers. And, I couldn't wait for you to bring this up. And guess what that? And guess what that means? You need to figure out where to license your Oracle stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, anybody who deals with Swarm or Kubernetes or any of these orchestration schedulers, you now need to learn things like affinity and affinity groups and non-affinity groups. And how do I make sure that that application doesn't run on a core that's not been licensed unless you want to have a humongous bill at the end of the quarter or month or whenever you get uh, charged? Yeah, the the I, I don't even I was speechless at the Oracle stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Great. You can now run Oracle. Right. Um, but but there was such a yeah, I just kind of went, huh, you know, for, especially for the VMware people, everyone who's a virtualization person went, wow, OK, we saw this one. And, you know, Oracle threw everyone under the bus on that one. So my immediate thing was like, yeah, I don't trust them at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. And. And, and it doesn't matter that the tech allowed you to do this and that it's actually maybe sort of supported because that was the other big thing with VMware was you could do it, but it was never supported by Oracle. And so right. I immediately go, well, is it supported? And oh, my gosh, how the hell am I ever going to pay for it? And hey, it just it just seems so non Docker. Hey, anyway. hey, 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 guess what? They they announced that it was free for Dev and test. And, and you know what the pricing is? We didn't tell you. We're not going to tell you. <laughs> so, t- yeah. you know, take that with a grain of thought, with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, so, but, you know, lots of enterprisey stuff. They talked, they had a bunch of customers or a few customers who were like, hey, you know, we're not doing 12-factor microservices apps. We've put, you know, kind of existing applications into uh, containers. And it's like, oh, okay, well, other people have been doing that for a while. But it's, I think, from the perspective of, uh, you know, Docker, they're, you know, sort of now saying, Hey, you can do more than that in containers, which, you know, is good for the industry because now it's like, okay, it doesn't restrict what containers can do to just, you know, the small number of, of cloud native applications that any one company can build. So that, well, part, that it, part was good. It's, it's a common theme we've seen over and over again on the show over the years of, you know, new company comes out, new company gets a bunch of traction, new company gets a bunch of early adopters and early customers with a very specific use case. New company realizes they need to make more money. New company realizes I need to go after the enterprise. New company then realizes I can't do that with these existing new and evolving use cases. I need to go do boring stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, look, <laughs> you, look you, you, and, you and I have said this a million times. I think we, we may need to become, we're going to become startup consultants. Uh, uh, step one, um, have a big idea. think you're going to go change the world. Only work on new stuff. Step three, okay, you have now taken more rounds of funding and you have to go after the enterprise. Okay, that's the way this game works. Like that's where the, <laughs> that's where the money is. Rinse, repeat, new startup. Let's, let's say you're going back after the enterprise. So yeah, we've, uh, we've heard this game before. We've heard we, we're becoming now. cynical in our old age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, All right, let's move on. Okay. So, um, so I think that sort of wraps up the shows. Um, I mean, DockerCon was good, um, you know, four, f- 5,000 people or something like that. It felt like about the same as, as the Seattle one, but they said it was bigger. Okay, cool. It's hard to tell between different venues, but, um, you know, four or 5,000 people. Um, so you and I are going to be back in Austin uh, next week. Or I'm, I'm going to be back in Austin. You're going to be in Austin. Um, so uh, what are we expecting from the serverless show, uh, the serverless conf? Uh, that's a great question. More so than anything f- for me, I'm always interested in what are the use cases. Yep. And, and I've been following the other ones. And, and so this is, uh, what, third, fourth big one? Yeah. Um, I haven't been to any of them yet. So actually, more than anything, I'm just looking forward to kind of the vibe because it's definitely, you know, on the smaller side still. So it's nice to go to one of these smaller conferences for a change. And, and the idea here is, is really in-depth talking to everyone. I, of course, want to talk to the big four, um, Google, IBM, um, AWS and Microsoft. I definitely want to figure out what their deal is, but I really also more so want to get out what are the evolving customers, what are the evolving startups, what are the the, the folks that are filling the gaps that the big four aren't necessarily doing right now. That's yeah. that's the big thing for me is I'm always looking for the gaps and, and who's filling the gaps or who's not. Right, right. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm looking for. Well, you're right. So meet the community, get to know the community. Um, that's always a big one for me. There's there's three things. One is, um, is it is it more than just the vendors? So we always want to see you know our, yeah. our our customers showing up. That's always an important thing. Um, the second one is, um, you know, can we can you and I walk away from this and go? I have a pretty good sense of what's different between Google Functions. Azure Functions, Lambda, whatever else, all these other ones. So we have some sense of people going like, you know, are they all basically the same? It just depends on who you, you know, which vendor you pick, or is there really some unique differences that will, you know, impact what, how you build an application. And then, um, and then the third one is trying to figure out like, is, you know, is this, does, does serverless become the paradigm that forces, you know, that you're only going to use the public cloud? Or is there going to be, some sort of cloud agnostic thing that comes along, right? Is yep. that is that one of these Kubernetes ones? Um, is it this serverless framework that everybody talks about that sort of acts, you know, kind of makes it agnostic? Um, you know, what what is that? Um, because you know, if if serverless does become a big thing and it only runs in the public cloud and it is sort of tied to a specific cloud, you know, does that impact its growth? Does that drive its growth, you know, those, those types of things. So those are kind of the big three things I'm looking forward to. Plus, plus I found a couple of uh, good hidden barbecue places that we can go check out. Nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next week. I, it, for me, um, this is definitely, um, the show that, that it's 
I'm looking forward to to learn the most. Yeah. Uh, because it is a uh, for, for us, uh, you know, a relatively new ecosystem that we're kind of lo- learning and digging into and and sharing with the listeners. And so I'm really looking forward to it as well. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna take the microphones. I think we're gonna try and do a few shows down there. We may just do a bunch of like introduce you to the community kind of shows. Maybe not super in depth, but we'll see what we have time for and 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 quiet space for and all those all those good things. But we're gonna we're gonna record a few from down there. I think that's the plan at least. Yep. So, well, cool. You want to uh, wrap it up so we can uh, go home and uh, get ready for for Austin? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we talked a good bit this week. Um, seems like our longer shows, the ones when it's just us, we should probably look into that someday. I know. That's um, a problem. <laughs> maybe it's just because we don't plan them as much. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, on behalf of Brian and, and I, thank you very much for listening this week. And, and thanks for kind of lis- listening to us ramble on for this recap show. But I think it was good. And we'll have um, – we already have a really interesting guest lined up for next week in, in the AI space. So we'll have an AI show uh, next week and then look for uh, serverless uh, conference shows uh, probably starting the week after that. And we'll pump out uh, you know, a couple of weeks uh, for the next couple of weeks. So you may actually not hear a, a new new show from us for for a couple of weeks you just might hear your serverless conference uh for i don't know two weeks or so yeah so just kind of give everyone a heads up of what's coming but certainly uh thanks for listening everyone and uh, we'll talk to everyone next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 